0: The reading this morning is from Luke, chapter 1, reading from verse 26 to 38, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
1: So I was thinking this week uh, a bit about fairy tales. Uh, You've just got to love a good fairy tale. Many of us were brought up on fairy tales. Some of us are sick of fairy tales because we spend so much of our lives reading them. Uh, But these are the classic tales, aren't they, Uh, that just capture our imagination. Uh, They're the tales that take us out of the ordinariness of our everyday life and make us imagine that absolutely anything is possible. Cinderella, you will go to the ball. Aladdin, your dreams will come true. Belle, you will save that beast and fall in love. Harry, Meghan, Meghan, you will marry your Prince Harry. Maybe we approach this story of Mary uh, in Luke's Gospel as being uh, where she is told that she will have a baby as being some sort of extraordinary fairy tale. Mary, the ordinary girl trapped in uh, mundane domesticity is confronted by her own genie in a bottle in the guise of an angel. He announces to her the wonderful news uh, that she's going to have a baby who will be the son of God. Uh, And then, wham, bam, she gets pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her life is transformed and this ordinary girl is forever known as the Blessed Virgin Mary. The facts of this incredible story are so often reduced to some sort of fairy tale status, aren't they? But the reality is, that what is actually going on here is that God is taking the ordinary and transforming it into something extraordinary. And if you think about it, the story of God through history, the story of God's work in each of our lives, is one where he takes the ordinary and does something extraordinary with it. And so we're going to look at four things this morning. We're going to look at how uh, this encounter at the beginning of Luke's Gospel was no ordinary encounter. We're going to look at Mary and how she was no ordinary girl. We're going to look at the virgin birth and how it was no ordinary conception. And also how Jesus was no ordinary baby. So firstly, no ordinary encounter. Mary was just an ordinary girl. She was just going about her ordinary business, living in the very ordinary uh, village of Nazareth. We all know now about Nazareth uh, because Jesus made Nazareth famous. But let me assure you, Nazareth was a sort of nothing place. It was on the road to nowhere. It was uh, a village of about 450 people. It had no significance at all. It was off the beaten track. But to this ordinary girl, in this very ordinary place god breaks into time in an incredibly extraordinary way and it all starts with an angel sent to nazareth to this ordinary girl called mary now in sort of the whole scheme of biblical history There's nothing massively unusual going on here, because one of God's favored favored forms of sort of divine messenger is angel. There are angels all through God's story of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 16, right near the beginning, uh, God sends an angel to Hagar when she's out in the desert to remind her that God hasn't forgotten her, that she is part of God's plan. A few chapters later in Genesis 18, we see three angels being sent to speak to Abraham and to Sarah, part of the whole Abraham, Hagar, Sarah, love triangle thing that's going on. Read those chapters of the Bible if you want to know more. Um, And God sends these three angels to remind uh, Abraham and Sarah that actually he hasn't forgotten them, that they have got a plan and he will fulfill his promise to them and they will have a child in Judges, an angel meets Gideon while he's hiding out in a wine press, and he addresses Gideon as mighty warrior when Gideon is feeling like anything but a mighty warrior. And he lets him know that Gideon, God has chosen you to lead the people of Israel. And then here in Luke chapter 1, God sends an angel again to give a message to this young, very ordinary girl. But this Even this, in God's standards, is no ordinary angel encounter. When God wants to get somebody's attention, he often does it in an extraordinary way. A few years ago, uh, we were out on one of those Sunday afternoon, uh, blustery, windy, cold walks where you're dragging the children behind you and they're moaning the whole way. And also, if you're in my family, you never go for a walk or a wander. It's definitely an intentional march along a hill as well, because I don't do wandering, as my family will tell you. Anyway, we were on this walk and we were on top of a hill. And we noticed, uh, as we rounded this corner, that a whole load of people had gathered near the edge of the hill, and they were looking down into an old quarry uh, that this hill was part of. And so we went over and took the children with us, holding onto them so they didn't get blown off the edge of the cliff, and to have a look what everybody was looking at. And over in the bottom of this quarry, this is what we saw, and it's coming up on the screen. Kelly, will you marry me, made out of stones? And we were all like, oh, isn't that lovely? Isn't that an amazing proposal? We later found out uh, that actually the proposal uh, was the work of Oliver Wright. And he had gone up the day before we were there and he'd gone into this quarry. And for about four hours, he gathered stones together and laid them out uh, so that they spelled out, Kelly, will you marry me? And on the morning that we had been there, he'd sort of managed to maneuver things so that him and Kelly went for a walk on the same hill that we'd been on and uh, surreptitiously took her to the edge of the hill. I bet she wondered what on earth was going on. Does this man really love me? And she looked over and she saw this incredible proposal. Kelly, will you marry me? And uh, I found out via the Daily Mail that she said yes. There you go. (laughs) Oliver Wright wanted to get Kelly's attention. When God wants to get, do something incredible, when God wants to get our attention, he often does so in an extraordinary way. And even in God's terms, uh, this encounter with Mary had to be extraordinary because God had something pretty immense to tell her. And so that's why he doesn't send uh, your regular angel, but he s- pulls out all the stops uh, and sends, sends angel Gabriel. There are only two angels that are actually named in the Bible, and one of them is Gabriel, as he appears here in Luke 1, and also he appears in, um, in Daniel's chap- Daniel chapter 8 and 9. And Gabriel's role is one who brings, is the bearer of big news, Gabriel only rocks up when there is big news. So our second point, Gabriel, God's messenger, came to no ordinary girl. Gabriel came to no ordinary girl. Now, Mary and Joseph, they aren't particularly special people. They're just nobodies, really, from nowhere. But I think it's really interesting that God often uses nobodies, ordinary people to play big roles in his story. Maybe you see yourself uh, like that. You're nobody special. Uh, You might not even consider that you've got any particular gifts. Uh, You think of yourself as being a pretty ordinary person. And maybe you even look around at the people around you, even the people this morning around you, and we compare ourselves uh, with others and we convince ourselves that God cannot use us in the way that he uses all these incredibly gifted people around us. We think, what can I bring to the party? I never have the right words to say. I'm rubbish at praying. And if only people knew what was really going on in my life. But the incredible story of the Bible and the way that God speaks to this ordinary girl, Mary, is that actually God often uses the foolish things of the world, the ordinary. They're not really very incredible. And he says, I love you and I have chosen you. And we can all be part of God's big story all he asks is that we love him back and that we're open to him and to be used by him and to play our part in his extraordinary story. And so in many ways, Mary is just an ordinary girl. We don't know masses about her, uh, but maybe God saw in her simply a girl who loved him. And he did the rest. One of the things that we do know about Mary is that she was to be married, that she's betrothed to a man named Joseph. And when we filter this through our cultural lens of living in the Western world, in the 20th century, we often imagine a sort of 19-year-old girl who's engaged to be married to the man of her dreams preparing for her wedding. That's what we often imagine. But the reality of Mary's situation is rather different. Engagement, as we know it today, just didn't exist. But betrothal did, and they're quite different things. Betrothal uh, was basically the first of a two-step process of marriage. And it happened to a girl when she was around 11 or 12 uh, years old. Uh, Those of us who have 11 or 12-year-old girls could not imagine that, I'm sure. Um, and And it takes place at this point because this is when the girl was guaranteed to be a virgin. And the betrothal itself uh, was the legal agreement uh, and and the financial transaction which took place uh, between the two families. And then after the betrothal had taken place, the girl would continue to live with her family, maybe for a year or for 18 months, until she'd gone through puberty. And then the marriage, the second part of the marriage, would take place. And that was when they, the man and the woman had sex with each other. But, but the betrothal, the betrothal was so legally and socially binding that actually it could only be broken through either death or divorce. Mary is just an ordinary girl. Doing what ordinary girls did at this time. But to quote the film title... I don't recommend you watch it, by the way. There's something about Mary. She's actually no ordinary girl because what happens next isn't something that normally happens to ordinary girls. Angel Gabriel rocks up in her lounge or cave or kitchen or shack or wherever she's living and announces this. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Mary is highly favored. Now, this part of what Gabriel says is taken by some elements of the church uh, over time as meaning that Mary is set apart, that she has a special state of favor upon her, that she is above all other women. But when you look at the Greek here, translated more accurately, this phrase reads this, greetings, God's grace is upon you. Greetings, God's grace is upon you. And as we know, God's grace is a gift of God. It's nothing that Mary could have done to earn God's grace, God's favor. It's nothing that she could have achieved but it's simply a gift that's bestowed upon her by God. God's grace is upon you. And I was thinking, what must at this stage, this young, innocent girl in this backwater of Nazareth have thought in this moment? She must have been absolutely petrified. She must have been confused and wondering what on earth was going on. So it isn't surprising that she goes on. we go on to find out that she was deeply troubled uh, by these words. And she hasn't even heard the big message yet of what's gonna happen to her, but she's deeply troubled. Maybe she knows something about how when angels rock up, the extraordinary happens. When angels rock up, your life never stays the same again. Greetings, God's grace is upon you. God is about to ask her to do a massive thing but into the disruption and the confusion and the sort of trouble of that moment we encounter something of the compassion of God because Gabriel tells her this, the Lord is with you, the Lord is with you and later on he says do not be afraid, the Lord is with you, do not be afraid. It's into this really extremely surreal and extraordinary moment that God shows his concern and his compassion for Mary. This insignificant, this ordinary 11, 12-year-old girl, he knows what she needs in this moment, and she needs to know his love and his reassurance to her. Into the disruption, into the messiness of our lives, into those moments where we feel deeply troubled. Into those moments where we feel like life is out of control. Into those moments where we've had a, a bad diagnosis or somebody close to us is ill. Into those moments where we feel like, what are we doing with our lives? Into those moments where we don't know what, the, what work holds for us or our family situation, what's going to happen next week. Into those moments... God comes in and speaks in his compassion and his grace to us and says the Lord is with you do not be afraid and so with these words of reassurance ringing in Mary's ears she's then told that she's going to have a son and that he will be the son of the most high God and that his kingdom will never end And into the midst of this extraordinary encounter, she asked the most ordinary question. How can this be since I am a virgin? How am I gonna have a baby? I'm only betrothed, I'm a virgin for goodness sake. I know how these things work. And here comes the bit that I guess has blown people's minds for the last 2000 years. Because Jesus' conception was no ordinary conception. To be honest, the the virgin birth has been a stumbling block to many. Maybe it's a stumbling block to you in your faith. Maybe it's one of those things that we just can't get our heads around. Uh, We know how babies are made and this is just completely ridiculous. But think about this for a moment. However you believe that creation came about, um, there was a time when there was nothing. There was a time when there was nothing. And whether uh, creation occurred because of a six-day creation, or whether it was God causing the Big Bang to take place, God brought something out of nothing. So if we believe that God can bring something out of nothing in creation, then why can't God bring something out of nothing when something within something he had created? Why couldn't God bring something out of nothing within something or somebody he had created? There is so much in our physical world that blows our mind. And so it's not surprising there is so much in the spiritual world that blows our mind as well, that doesn't make sense to us. And yet we're so easy to label it as impossible simply because we can't understand it or explain it. There is nothing about this announcement to Mary that is ordinary. It's all bonkers and it all does our head in. So maybe we should just embrace the weirdness and let God be the extraordinary God that he is. Jesus reminds us later in his ministry that there is nothing that is impossible for God. Just think about that for a moment. There is nothing, nothing that is impossible for God. This week I was reminded of this in a really simple way. Uh, I got a text message uh, from a friend of mine who was just filling me in with some information. Uh, A few years ago I had got to know a couple and they were having a really difficult time in the whole of their life. Uh, Work and their marriage in particular uh, was a real disaster area. They were having a really rough time. I spent a bit of time with them and prayed with them through uh, this period in their lives. Uh, After a few years, they actually ended up splitting up and the guy in particular was in a really dark place. He had absolutely no belief in God at all, he thought it was all completely bonkers uh, and his life was a disaster area and he moved out of the town uh, that his wife was living in and moved away and I haven't heard or seen him or heard anything about him uh, for six years. But this is where the text message comes in Uh, because on Thursday morning I got a text message uh, from a friend of mine who had also known this couple at this time uh, in their relationship and in their lives as well and this girl now lives somewhere else in England and uh, she just texted me to say that bizarrely uh, the night before she had been helping uh, run a discipleship course and uh, where she lives and this guy had turned up And he has become a Christian. His life has been completely transformed. She said, you would not believe it's the same person. And uh, he'd come along to this discipleship course that he was running, she was running. It was an incredible reminder that God is the God of what we think is impossible. And I believe in the God of the impossible. Maybe you and I need to expand our horizons, expand our expectations of what God can and will and does do in his world. We can all do pretty ordinary things, can't we? We can pray for somebody or we can invite them to one of the Christmas events or services that we're having here. But let's do so expecting God to do the extraordinary, to transform, to be the God of the impossible. I'm praying that the person that I invited on Friday uh, to the carol service on the 16th will come. That is a bit of an impossible thing, I think, at the moment. But not only that, I'm praying that uh, she will come and that God will meet her and transform her life as well. God, in his greatness and power, will do the things that we cannot do. God is the God of the impossible, and he often acts in surprising ways. And even though uh, the Virgin's conception uh, seems absolutely crazy, it seems mad in the whole scheme of things. To a God who is king of the universe, to a God who is Lord of all, who can calm storms and part waves, uh, to a God who can walk on water and can forgive sins, to a God who can come and transform the life of somebody who we expect at least to a God who ultimately can rise from the dead, the virgin's conception is just child's play. And so Gabriel explains the practicalities to Mary really simply. He says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is no ordinary conception. It might not make much sense to us, But as we begin to discover more of who Jesus is, as we begin to see how through him God comes to turn the world on its head, to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary, there is nothing ordinary at all about Jesus. It's Jesus who makes sense of all those things that we don't understand, even this bonkers conception. After all, to our final point now, He was no ordinary baby. Jesus was no ordinary baby. Jesus is God's surprising choice for eternal king. Jesus is God's surprising choice for eternal king. I think I've mentioned before uh, about my cousin Andrew, who um, from the age of about 16, uh, just was obsessed by the fact that he was going to call his first child Stryker, um, I mean, like, what 16-year-old boy does that anyway? But he did. Um, and we were sort of thinking, there's no way by the time you actually have your own child that you will call a child striker. That's cruelty to children. But he, he thought that it was a, a, a good, strong name that any child of his will be able to live up to. He did have a, a child and called him Jacob David Striker, Medley. Um, poor child at least it wasn't the first name anyway another friend of mine uh he used to joke with his boss about how he was going to call his daughter Alleluia. i don't really know how it started uh and the boss again was like no you won't call your daughter Alleluia. he has daisy esther hallelujah um that's one of my favorite names ever you can have it as a gift daisy esther hallelujah um when gabriel is announcing this incredible news to mary he he tells her uh, what to call this baby and it will show that this baby is no ordinary baby you are to call him jesus jesus is actually the greek uh, version of the hebrew name joshua which means god will save it was a really popular name at the time you know probably about every sixth child was called joshua or jesus god will save but there is significance in this name. It was no accident that he was called Jesus. But he doesn't stop there either. He doesn't say, call him Jesus, God will save. He goes on. He says, call him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high God. We often focus on the son of the most high God bit, don't we? But I think the great bit is even, well, not even more interesting, but just as interesting. The angel says, he will be great. We just pass over that. You know, I think my children are great. I think you're all great. And we we use the term like that. But this baby you will have. He will be great in a much deeper way. Earlier on in Luke's gospel, Zechariah is told that he will have a baby who will be great before the Lord. And we know that baby turns out to be John the Baptist. He will be great before the Lord. But here, Mary is simply told that this baby, Jesus, will be great. Will be great in his own right. And this word for great, it hints at Jesus' divinity as well. There's something divine about this word, great. Jesus will be great and he'll be called the son of the, the most high. This one who saves, he will be great and be the son of God. This is no ordinary baby announcement. And he goes on and says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The Old Testaments time and again uh, say that the Messiah will come from the line of the family of David, uh, King David. But unlike any earthly king, he will come and save us and his kingdom will have no end. Can you imagine? An angel rocks up in your kitchen and says, hey you, You're gonna give birth to a baby, even though you're only betrothed to be married, and he will be the son of the most high God, and he will be the eternal king. Your mind is gonna be blown in that moment. But God takes the ordinary things and the ordinary people of this world to bring about his extraordinary purposes. People longed for a king. They longed for God to save them, and he did but not in an ordinary way, through an ordinary person, but in an extraordinary way and through an extraordinary person, the person of Jesus. And ultimately, he did it most extraordinarily through the work of the cross, so that it's possible that our ordinary lives can be transformed by him. Let's just pray.